I'm Dr. Jamie Grant. I'm a bossy femme bottom, and this is Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. Welcome to Season 2 of Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. This season, I'm excited to sit down with many of my heroes, sheroes, and theyros. People whose work has enlarged my thinking, my spirit, and my heart. People whose breathtaking commitment to themselves and their desire maps brings me so much joy and courage. I hope their stories will do the same for you. I'm here today with Drian Juarez, a longtime trans activist based in Los Angeles, who has worked for the LA Community Center and as manager for global partnerships at Grinder for Equality, and has recently started a new venture at Trans Can Work. Drian has been on the desire mapping team for the past six months or so, and I'm thrilled to have her here with us today. Welcome, Drian. Thank you, Jamie. So excited to be here with you. I love these conversations. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> So if you could introduce yourself as we do in the workshop with your name and three descriptors of your desire and then anything else you want our listeners to know about you that's important to you. Okay. So my name, Drian Juarez. My descriptors would be submissive, dominant, and I think hippie um, because I think that describes a lot of the ways I think about sex, like organic, easy, fun, um, out in nature. So I think that's a, a good d descriptor for Ooh, me. See? Um, and um, I guess the, the only thing I would mention is uh, in my intro, I was formerly with the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Oh, yes. Um, where I managed the Transgender Economic Empowerment Project there. Oh. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, this is so exciting. I love <laughs> these conversations and I especially love, you know, getting to hear um from people who live in completely different parts of the world than I do and seeing how our desires are similar and different at the same time. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so we're here in Cyprus together right now and we've been Amazing. listening to people who are living halfway around the world from us and their desires. We're finishing up a week with activists from the Middle East and North Africa, known as the MENA region. And can, do you want to give us a highlight of your time here with all these amazing folks? Yeah, you know, um, my highlight has definitely been getting to see some people again. I went to the Nedwa conference, which is where we're at last year when it was in Lebanon, and um, got to meet a lot of the activists for the first time. And so um, this year it felt like a reunion. And mm -hmm. so just getting to reconnect with people, hearing about their work and what they've done in the year that, you know, um, we haven't seen each other, that has been one of the highlights. Um, and, you know, the workshops, I think, are always really just uh, incredibly um, educational for me because I you know, what, one of the things I realized when I come to these spaces is how Western my brain is. Mm -hmm. So I went to one of the workshops that I thought was really good was um, Evolving Sexual Language. And the discussion really became about how um, regional languages, local languages, even cultural aspects to language affect the way Western terms are translated. And often, you know, the misogyny 
um, within those cultures are part of that translation. And so it was really exciting to see activists think about, you know, what does it mean to translate these terms and what are we trying to communicate and what is a way that we can communicate these things without having to look to the West yes. um, and really looking at our historical language and, you know, thinking of terms that really describe that rather than, um, or rather that really define what they are rather than describing them in a, you know, misogynist way or in a way that puts them in a, uh, negative light or some sort of, you know, hypersexualized way. Mm, nice. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, I went to that one too. It was really fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the last time you and I mapped, we were in Wellington, New Zealand some months ago. Uh, and then you told a desire story at that mapping workshop. But this time you served as one of the workshop facilitators. You helped welcome people into the space and with that name tag exercise that we do, and then also move the mic. So you were really like in among the people this time. And I just wonder, you know, how 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 did it go for you? And what, what was a highlight or, or something you noticed about doing the workshop this time? Uh, you know, as people were coming in, I people were really excited and enthusiastic. Um, the, you know, uh, workshop was packed. It was yes. jammed. It was so fun to just feel the energy and excitement. Um, I, I was curious to know, you know, what people had heard about the workshop because mm -hmm. it seemed like people had some understanding of what it was, but were, it was really sort of the adventure of what, what is this going to be, the mm -hmm. you know, mystery of it. Um, and uh, so helping people, uh, you know, give them their, giving them their name tags and asking them to think about their descriptor was funny to get the questions of like, what do you mean? And what, right. what does that mean? And so uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then when it started, uh, you know, the panelists were all just amazing and brought such uh, different perspectives, you know, from like, being in the military to finding your erogenous zones without having to touch and, um, you know, uh, transitioning your gender and then having your sexuality transition as well. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, and so just so many incredible stories that were just not like each other they were all unique and different and just as intense and profound and yeah. intense i mean in that um just made you think about so many things they were so multi-layered you know there right. was a lot to sort of absorb um and then you know the respondents there was a woman who shared um about you know being forced to marry at 14 and experiencing sexual violence and then you know, um, becoming positive at the at sort of the conclusion of all those things and just the impact that had on people. It was, she got a standing ovation, right. you know, it was right. liberating. And, um, and so it was for me just to getting to sort of watch from the back of the room. It was just, uh, you just felt the waves of love, positive energy, and release, like mm -hmm. telling these stories got them out, and it just felt like you could feel the healing happening mm -hmm. in the room. No, really true. I thought the panel was one of the like most raucous ones I've ever done. There was just a lot of really high highs and just such incredible engagement, so 
that felt really amazing and kind of counter to sort of stereotypes about what we might get from sex storytelling in the mm -hmm. region, right? So I love that. I always love the surprise, you know, and um, and going against, you know, whatever ideas really the West and others have framed for um, people here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I wonder if you'd be willing to tell us a desire story today. Is there anything that's happening right now around your sex and sexuality or something that since you've been taking the workshop you've really remembered that has been significant and important for you? You know, I was having dinner with a friend yesterday and um, sh sharing with them, you know, talking about how earlier in the year I was able to um, get gender confirmation surgery. Mm -hmm. And so getting gender confirmation surgery is an interesting thing because in a way it feels like the slate has been cleaned and now you're a virgin again. <laughs> right, seriously. <laughs> and so, you know, I get to have sex in this new way with this bot, with a new body, it feels like. Um, and, but also being in my 40s, Right. And that's very different than my 20s when I was very sexually active mm -hmm. um, and exploring my body and trying to get comfortable with my penis right. and like being a woman with a penis and what did that mean? And and I, you know, was able to consolidate that and, and enjoy my body and mm -hmm. have sex with my body parts the way that they were. But then coming to the conclusion um, that, you know, that really wasn't how I ideally wanted to experience intimacy. And so now, you know, I've tried using old paradigms, meaning like, you know, going on dating apps and like taking profiles and talking right. to people. And that just feels so I haven't met with anybody and I've been wondering why, because people will ask, oh, so you're using Grindr or using the other apps. And so how's that going? Are you meeting up with people? And I've been, you know, telling them, mm, no, actually, you know, I've chatted with a lot of people, but haven't met up with one yet. And so for me, it's like, well, why? Why is it that I'm not meeting? It's very easy. It could happen right, like in a minute. right now if I wanted right, to. But right. so then why am I not? And I was thinking about it, and I feel like I need more control. And um, I was having a conversation with somebody on Grindr, um, and I sent them. Um, they were very hot, very fit, and had a nice body and mm -hmm. what have you. And so I sent them an emoji of the um, tied up guy, uh, like the guy in bondage. Yes. And that just, when I start to think about why did I send him that and how he reacted to that, it made, that was really exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that started this conversation, my friend was talking about, um, you know, how we can economically empower our own community. So if we want to be spanked or things like that, hiring people from the community. Mm. Um, and so I thought, oh, I would love to hire somebody to teach me how to like tie people up. Because that something about having that full control feels right to me. Like that feels like, oh, that's how I think I want to have sex. Ah. Like fully in control of that experience. Especially since my body part is so new, it just feels like, okay, I want to ease into that and control that more than I usually want to and so you know for me it's been this I've been that's been percolating and yes. you know thinking about maybe the reason I'm not meeting up with anyone it's because because of the way I want the way 
I want that experience to be. And I really haven't thought about that until now. And I want more control. And so, and I think that's, you know, possible. People are yes. into everything. Oh my God, yes. Um, and so I would love to do some traditional tying and bondage and, um, you know, uh, be able to use somebody's body. Mm. So amazing. Well, and it's, it sort of winds back to your original thing, saying you're a submissive and a dominant, that you're, yeah. dom you're, you're feeling your dom the dominant side really yes. needing to take up space right now. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's definitely always been there. I, I use those um, descriptors because those are things that partners have told me in the past. They're, <gasps> they've said, oh, you're a submissive dominant, because when, when I first started dating, and I do recognize that in myself, that I... I'm very submissive. I I don't know. I feel like I want to please my partner. So right. whatever you want to watch, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to go, let's do it. I'm agreeable to all of right. that. Um, but then once we get to know each other, then it's the pushback of like, mm, no, let's try something else or mm -hmm. let's do this other thing. Or mm -hmm. actually, I want us to go here. Right. You know, then it's my dominant side starts to come out. Come um, and so I think, yeah, that now it's the this new phase of the moon where it's I need... I want to explore sex, but it's got to be on new terms, and I'm figuring out what that is. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so incredible. I love, I mean, I, I say this in the book a little that, you know, um, there's so many times in our lives where we do start to listen to ourselves and experience these shifts, and we find ourselves in this kind of virginal territory all over again, that where, you know, we... It's like, oh, well, now this phase of my life, this this is where I want to go. And I don't know what the hell to do, right? And I don't even know where to start. And what is really beautiful about your story to me is that you were having dinner with a friend. And because you have the kind of trust and intimacy you have with this friend, like your own truth was able to sort of become more visible and you could figure it out. And that really is why we do the workshop, too, is that we hope people start to see the value of sharing these things instead of having them between our ears all the time. And we can't fucking figure out, how am I going to realize this? How, how am I even going to start, right? And really, it so often starts with these beautiful conversations mm. with our loved ones who are not trying, don't have an agenda for our sexuality. I always say someone who has an agenda for your sexuality is not your friend uh, and also shouldn't be your therapist <laughs> oh, yeah. you know get up and get out of that room because that's the wrong room um, and you know so do you want to say more about that just about um, just the conversation and what that was like and like well, yeah, yeah just... you know I feel very fortunate I think one of the benefits of being in the queer community is that we can have these conversations with each other mm -hmm. that really, you know, go underneath the surface of gender and sex and, you know, really get into, you know, just how multi-layered it is and how they represent so many different things in our lives. It's just not this act of getting sexual pleasure. It's really, you know, a whole energy that then, you know, is something that you carry throughout your day mm -hmm. with you when you enter a room and so um i've been really grateful to have friends who i can sit down and just have these conversations where i don't really even know what i'm saying right. but the fact that i can just have a stream of consciousness with a friend that's when these 
you know, sort of um, light bulb moments happen, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I hadn't really given myself the space to think about this until right. now, you know? Yeah, and we're so fortunate in our community to have so many talented rope mm-hmm. players, yes. right? And you're in L.A., I mean, my goodness, you could do go to all kinds of things where people are doing demos and figure out who you'd want to learn from. I was just at Sex Down South in Atlanta, and Midori was there. She is like a famous dyke rope person. Wow. And she did a plenary, and she did a demo. And, I mean, people were just, like, clamoring. I mean, there was standing room only for everything that she did. And I think she's in San Francisco. And just an amazing, I mean, she's, you know, she's older than you. She's been, you know, she's my age, and she's been at it forever. And just is kind of like, you know, one of those in the lesbian world. People are like, Oh, Midori. I uh, love <laughs> no, right? I love right. It. So, I mean, really, you could find someone whose energy to, you know, use your hippie word, um, <laughs> uh, you know, just really aligns with yours, right? You can find rope masters who really have the right feeling for you and um, would be willing to teach. I, yeah, I'm going to, when we get back, that's going to be one of my missions to look into this and see, you know, what I can find. In L.A., we have a store called The Pleasure Chest, which mm-hmm. is like a sex shop. Yes. And they have classes. Right. So I'm going to look at their schedule and see if they have, you know, anything for um, rope, you know, rope. I don't know. What, what would you call it? Rope, rope fetish, play. Rope play. Okay. Rope fetish, rope play. Sure. And so, and, you know, would love to learn to do that. Yeah. That sounds like fun to me. Fantastic. Well, you know, I, I know you're, um, by the time this podcast comes out, you'll have been doing this for a while, but do you want to tell us a little bit about Trans Can Work? I know that's your new sure. venture. So Trans Can Work is an organization um, started by uh, a woman named Michaela Mendelssohn, and she, you know, is a owner in the uh, Pollo Local franchise. Um, and so she... Uh, started hiring a lot of trans people and gender non-conforming people for one of her stores and noticed that they were having a lot of success. Um, and, you know, about 25% of them were getting into management. And it was just being in an environment where uh, people's identity didn't get in the way of them, you know, doing a good job. So she started Trans Can Work, which really focused on connecting trans uh you know, gender non-conforming people with local jobs. Um, and that's evolved into also including uh, diversity and inclusion work with um, these companies um, and also helping them look at the systems um, that, you know, uh, are supposed to take care of their employees. So HR systems, but also insurances, making sure they include uh, transition-related care. Um, and so... Uh, I'm going to take on their um, director of programming and training position. Um, and so really we'll get to dig into these issues with, you know, all sorts of employers from smaller mom and pop shops mm-hmm. to bigger corporations. And I think that's really exciting. Um, part of what was really uh, a joy for me here at the conference was seeing that that was work that was being discussed mm-hmm. more and more. We saw a video on workplace harassment. Right. Um, and so the fact that it's happening globally makes me really excited. Yeah. That is really exciting. You seem like someone who really does like a good startup and to 
build new ground. Um, and we saw a lot of that here. Yeah. We saw a lot of that here. Yeah, I think that's part of what I connect with um, with the conference is that, you know, I love uh, small projects, people who have a spark of, um, you know, uh, this dream to change things in a way and I love just seeing those things grow and become bigger and mm -hmm. stronger um like you know Nedwa, like AFE you know mm -hmm. they're only getting more and more connected um they're building power in new ways and that to me is just so exciting mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and it kind of winds us right back around to where you're at with your own desire story which is kind of a new place yeah right? a new place yeah and I think that's wonderful that as human beings you know things can continue to evolve and change and we learn um, and we don't have to adhere to these antiquated models of you know um, age or what that means or you know things like that I mm -hmm. think that getting to grow and learn at any stage in your life is part of what the beauty of being human is yes you know it really is is there anything else you want to tell us about, you know, where you're at, or do you want something else uh, you, that our listeners should really know about you or your work or what you're thinking about the world right now? You know, one thing that um, when I went to, I went to a masturbation workshop because, you know, I have this uh, new body part and I don't really know that much about it. I was surprised, you know, a penis is pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> you know what to do with it. Yes. But a vagina is, you know, has many more layers mm -hmm. and, um, uh, you know, having an orgasm is not just one thing. It can be right. many things and right. it's sort of where you're at as well in your own head. And so I went to this masturbation class where, you know, they broke down all the different parts of the vagina and how to stimulate them and um, the, at the end of the session she said one of the things she was talking about was how much you have to basically play with yourself mm -hmm. lube up your fingers mm -hmm. stick them inside of yourself and find out what feels good that's, right. that's part of this journey and at the end of the session she said okay now I want you all to go home and fuck yourself <laughs> and that is just so profound on so many different levels. Right. And so if I, I'd like to leave them leave your listeners with the same thing. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Meaning, go explore your bodies. Go explore what feels good. No shame. You know, it's just curiosity that goes back to our childhood that we should never lose connection with, you know. I love it. Thank you so much, Leon. Thank you. Hey, we're going to take a little break from the show to let you know about my fantastic sponsors. First, Grinder for Equality, a global human rights program leveraging the power of our social and sexual connections for LGBTQ liberation rights and safety around the world. Also, I'd like to thank Elizabeth Scott, a longtime Desire Mapping fan who took the workshop over 10 years ago, a feminist philanthropist based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And finally, the Freeman Foundation, also one of my long-term supporters, a foundation that centers the power of the erotic in LGBTQ liberation work. Thanks, everyone. So, Driana, I know we wanted to just take a minute 
We're here poolside. Actually, oh, not poolside. We're actually in the, pool, in the pool at the Landmark Hotel in Cyprus, where oh, we've been several times on this trip. A dream. And we just wanted to talk a little bit about the importance of pleasure yes. while we're in an activist conference and how much the pool has meant to us this week. There's something about a body of water where you can just soak or float or swim with people that just allows you to connect in a way that you don't out of water. There's this fluidity of energy that just mm -hmm. happens, that doesn't happen in other spaces. And it's, I think it's legit, you know, it has a place in this work, especially with, you know, a community that experiences so much trauma and the work can be so uh, challenging that self-care needs to be a part of it. Right. And we've been in the pool almost every day together. Yes. And uh, I'm a little older than you. I have a lot of little creaky aches and pains. Uh. And so it always just really helps loosen me up and feel better and sleep better. Yes. Um, but also we've just like talked a lot to right, each other, yeah. right? Yeah, we got to just float and chill. Um, and yeah, without even really thinking about it, we're working our bodies and, you know, letting our joints have a little flexibility. It's so therapeutic mm -hmm. in so many ways. You know, it's physically therapeutic, but then also, you know, I get to know you and connect with you and I feel like get a glimpse into your heart and that's just oh. such a beautiful thing. That's, as a human being, you know, that's what I long for, that connection. Mm. That's really what our desire is, right? Sexual yes. and otherwise, right? It's just about connecting. That, how incredible it is to connect. And how incredible it is to have, to be a human with this body and this brain that can experience so much on so many different levels. You know, I think that's really what it's about, that we're saying, uh, what was uh, somebody yesterday, um, Maddie from GPP, uh, said, you know, this is about queer love um, and yeah this is about queer love this is about queer pleasure it's about you know all of it is one and when we find that love then that's when we radiate it outward you know thanks Drian oh thank you <laughs> if you're enjoying yourself here every week I hope you'll tell your friends about the podcast subscribe and go to iTunes and give us five stars you can also go over to Patreon and become a monthly supporter. Any and all support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you want to get in touch with me for coaching or to buy my book or just to give us feedback on this week's or any week's episode, you can get me at justsexpod at gmail.com. I like New York in June. How about you? I like a Gershwin tune, how about you? I love a fireside when a storm is due. I like potato chips, moonlight motor trips, how about you? I'm mad about good books, can't get my fill.